Hey everyone, Jim Phoenix here, and I cannot wait for this next West Kraken. We've got none other than the award a winning director and writer, and just honestly, overall good guy. Stimson Sneed with Tim Travers and the Time Travelers Paradox. Say that 15 times real fast, and you will summon Pazuzu. All this and more in the next What's Cracking. Hit it. Hey everyone, Jim Phoenix here, and boy am I excited for this next What's Cracking. We've got none other than Stimson Sneed. That's right, if you've seen anything from Tim Trappers. Oh, I'm going to drop that right now. You know exactly what we're talking about. If you read anything from Bleeding Ink, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. If you've seen his website, you probably should know. It's not like a random Google search, really. But first of all, thank you very much for coming in. It's a great honor to have you here. And as an award-winning director, I like the hyphenation of the award-winning director. I have to ask some questions. I have to ask some questions about directing. I have to ask some Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's, right. let's get cracking. Aha, I'm going to steal that. Hold on. When you are into the planning phase, see, I'm going to back it up to the planning phase. I know you're also writing the things that you direct. Yeah. Is there ever a time when you're writing, like, for example, Tim Travers in a Time Traveler's Paradox, which I believe comes out next year. Well, can't wait. When you're writing that, you're going, God, I have to direct this later on. How can I possibly get this scene done is there any time that you stop yourself as a writer because your director hat comes on oh never never in fact i've got an ego about a mile deep i'm convinced that with an adequate amount of money i can certainly direct anything what will stop me is the reality of hmm yes i do love this space battle but my average budget is like five dollars so Unless it's going to be ships on strings, which I did actually do that one time. Uh, unless cool. it's going to be ships on strings, it's not realistic. So it's not the ability to direct it that will make me slow down. It's it's the producer hat going, okay. yeah, you, you don't have the ability to blow up a building. At least not without ending up on some lists you don't want to be on. Right. I, I can appreciate that. And I, I like the answer because... You're saying that no matter what, you've got your writer hat is your writer hat, boom. Every once in a while, you have the critical eye, the lens of the budget, but you still allow yourself the wiggle room of like, well, we can maybe work this one out, you know? Well, now the director, it's like one of the joys of being a director is challenging yourself. So like I'll come across certain kinds of scenes and it's not just, it's not, I think I'm amazing and therefore I can right. direct anything. It's well- I might completely fuck this up, but I still really want to try because right. I think it would be really interesting. I've not done this style of film before. I've not done this kind of scene, and I want to see if I can, preferably with somebody else paying for it if I get it wrong. <laughs> and that's that's art, honestly. It's like, can I do this? A am I able to? And let's just find out. And you never know what you might start out with might turn into something bigger and better uh, correct me if i'm wrong but your new feature film tilton travers and the time travelers paradox that actually starts off with a short right yeah like and the by the way i'm saying that title three times fast i am dyslexic okay i am dyslexic i looked at the title i'm like oh you guys just hate me right now do you there's, oh there's i'm no dyslexic way. too i made i okay. made that title you just made to it? torture my fellow people oh thank you bye thank you much for that um keeps on our toes but yeah, yeah. did you you, you do not have this in your mind saying I can make a small, small short right now. 
And then later yeah. on, it's become something. Well, uh, usually that, okay, that's what you're supposed to do for the record. Right. Like every short should be a stepping stone to a bigger project. I mean, just right. from a pure business standpoint, there is no such thing as a profitable short. No matter how much you spend on a short, you are wasting money. So given the fact that because you can, there's no market to sell them. Yeah. I mean, you might basically, you might win a lottery and have it blow up on YouTube, but even people with millions of views, if it's just one video, make pennies on the dollar. It's a demo reel. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, got to be a stepping stone to something yeah. else. So typically what a lot of people will do is a short is them feeling out what they want a feature to be. So that's what you're supposed to do. I actually didn't do that for Tim Travers. Really? There was a different feature that I'm working on called Treat Street uh, that I had attached a fantastic studio up in Washington State called North by Northwest. And it occurred to me, given how experienced this studio was, that if I got to shoot Treat Street, as the director, I would be the least experienced person on set for that scale of, because while I've done many projects, they've all been on this extreme indie right. scene, whereas North by right. Northwest is a real top tier studio. Like the entire TV show Z Nation, that's them. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, quite major. And so I wanted to introduce myself to their workflow. And so I had this script that I wrote one drunken evening at a film festival and called Tim Travers, and I realized, okay, what if I just take this one little short, but we pretend it's a feature? We're just going to shoot it as though it is 20 pages of a feature, but we're going to go full budget. Can I manage a team like this? Let's do it on a project where if I screw up, the consequences are minor because it's not a movie's budget. Right. It's like, it can be a gosh darn it. I learned something from it. So that when I get into the feature, it could be a bigger, I would know what I'm doing. And then what happened uh, a couple months out from when we were going to do the Treat Street feature is the budget completely fell through. So I found a backup budget at half the value. And it's like, all right, I've got about $2 million to work with. What can I shoot at $2 million? And I realized the short film, because it had been doing so well in festivals, was as close to a market testing as I was ever going to get. So from the day we decided to make Tim Travers the feature to when we rolled camera was 90 days. When we made the decision, 90 days out from rolling camera, uh, there was not even a script. Really? Just the short and my confidence. I remember calling up the lead actor from the short and being like, hey, you had a lot of fun with this character. <laughs> How would you feel if we did a feature of it? That's ballsy. Oh, yeah. Like, um, that, that's the, the, the set designer, Vincent DeFelix, he built this incredible 24-foot-tall time machine prop, which nearly killed him building it. And I remember calling and being like, hey, remember that prop that nearly killed you? I need you to build it a second time, <laughs> but slightly bigger. <laughs> but a little bit bigger. And that's the coolest thing, because I was looking through it, I'm like, I, I saw some uh, photos from the set, I'm like, I love it. That's the thing that you just, your eyes completely go to. I'm like, my God, that's gorgeous. That's real that's that's that is 100 percent a physical really problem. yeah oh my god well the only, i don't know if you've seen the short the only cg in the short is just him blowing up and a lot of the split screens because it's a time travel film so there's a lot of sam dunning interacting with sam dunning right <laughs> uh the feature Hello. is substantially bigger effects wise <laughs> right so what okay 
is it budget wise that you went uh, went against CGI or because you more want practical effects anyways? Both. I guess this both. both. Uh, I don't understand how Hollywood accountants keep thinking that it's cheaper to do CG. It is absolutely not cheaper to do CG. It is cheaper if you're not if you're doing it yourself and you're not paying someone. That is the only time CG saves you money. This whole thing that CG is cheaper is an absolute misnomer. The reason big studios do it is it allows them to go back and change stuff constantly, which is what's leading to a lot of problems with big Hollywood films that I won't name right now that people are complaining loudly about because the money's not on the screen. Uh, it is almost you always cheaper to do it practically. And personally, I just think it looks better. So we've got a great little CG team, but there's only so much they can do. So yeah, our physical props are all real. Our space is all real, but we still use a lot of CG in the feature. But it's stuff like when the tins are spontaneously combusting, right. uh, we do a lot more advanced versions of the split screens than we ever did in the short film. So now and, and we have that's... to look like actors so that he can physically interact with himself. Oh, that's cool. And then there's explosions and stuff like that. And when you get into the realm of explosions on the indie scene, that's where it's cheaper to go CG. Just because I do not have the ability to blow stuff up safely. Safely. And, that, and that's, it's, it's expensive. I remember being on one movie, it was an indie film, and most of the budget was an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happened. Like, what? And the other one was like, and a helicopter shot for the explosion. I'm like, really? Yeah, see, I wouldn't trust myself to remember to have the camera turned on. So. <laughs> right, it's like, get one chance of this, that's it. Well, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. And when we won't mention other movies, but I think we all had one or two come to mind when you said, oh, like, the one problems. One or two, like, let's say, largest franchises. Yeah, yeah, that's, an, that's unfortunate. I need to take a small drink, but uh, from my... Uh -huh. uh, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, I'm glad you're doing video. Subtle. Yeah, right. Subtle, very subtle, very subtle. And that's that's the you have to be, I think, a fan of the movies and be able to see what you really want come to life on screen. And I think because you are the writer director, you you have both visions of it. Now, when you are in the middle of filming a scene, is there any time you thought, oh, I need to have like a rewrite? Like who 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 wrote this? Who? Who wrote this? Oh, uh, oh, every, uh, oh, oh, God. I mean, are you, are you asking, am I ever worried about the quality of the writing while I'm filming it? There's never a moment that I'm not cringing at every word I wrote. It's just, oh, oh God. No, no, I, I don't like my own writing. Really? I enjoy it and I do it. But in the moment, you can't stand hearing it. But the trick there is to surround yourself with people more talented than you have actors who are better actors than you are a writer, they will make the writing better. Have better they camera people than you. When in doubt, always just surround yourself with talented people. I'm very lucky the film stars Sam Dunning. Uh, sorry, I got to do some name dropping. So in addition to starring Samuel Dunning, we also star Felicia Day, Joel McHale, Danny Trejo, and Keith David. Any one of these actors is so good and so seasoned, I'm confident I could give them a great big steaming pile of shit and they would still know how to polish that turd. Oh, absolutely. They seem good. So it's a franchise. Have talented people. They're beyond, okay, let's, let's get into the talent. I was looking at this cast, I'm like, my God. Keith David, okay, there is a wealth of fans that keep for Keith David in multiple genres. 
Oh yeah. And self included. Yeah, it's amazing. Joel McHale. We all know him from somehow he went to community college for like 12 years and pulled it off. And he's going back to community college. They're in production right now. It's like, it's all, and please, okay, if you have not seen anything in the last, I don't know, since the internet was born, Felicia Day has to be your your top of the list, right? I mean, she's amazing in everything she does. Oh, yeah. And then we have, oddly, one of the nicest guys in the world, always plays the tough guy, Danny Trejo. Oh, yeah, just such a sweet, sweet man. And they were all wonderful to work with, but they were all different to work with in their yeah. own ways. Like Joel is an improv machine. Like we have a ver- we have a scene that we had to cut down to five minutes that originally we had like a 12 and a half minute version, which was just letting him go off book any way he wanted. And it well, was, was great. All of it comedy gold. Keith is just the most consummate professional in the world. Uh, he was kind of our Hail Mary, actually. Really? We asked him not even 40, maybe 72 hours before he was on set. We had that, like the offer went out. So like he was an absolute Hail Mary pass. That is a very good, I'm trying not to make a Packer or a uh, Cowboy fans reference right now, but that's the immaculate reception right there. Oh yeah. And he was just a a pleasure to have on set. Uh, Danny is, believe everything you've heard, Danny Trejo is the sweetest man you've ever met in the world. (laughs) And he's got great food. I mean, he has, uh, I think he still has Trejo's Tacos in LA, right? I may order Trejo's Tacos today on Uber. It's pouring rain out here in LA. I don't feel like going out and I could go for some Trejo's Tacos. Yeah, plus for Danny Trejo, I might be ordering Trejo's Tacos. (laughs) You heard it here first. And And the coolest thing is about your movie, that's the parting cast. That's supporting cast. Oh yeah, that's just supporting roles. The you only one Sam there Dunning. for the few days was Felicia, because Felicia's character is a bit bigger than the others. That's so great. we had Felicia out for about a week and a half on set. Felicia out for a week and a half on set. Now, when you're when you're pitching it to these, because I think you had correct me if I'm wrong again. Sam was the original. Tim the short, so yeah, Tim Trapp, yeah. right. And he reprised the role for the feature. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I would have done the feature if I wasn't able to get Sam to come back. Samuel Samuel Dunning may not be the biggest name of these actors, but believe me when I say he absolutely owns this performance, beginning to end. His body of work. I mean, Blue Bloods alone. Oh, yeah. Samuel Dunning is great. So I, I don't believe I would have done the film had I not been able to get Sam. And and that's that's the cool part. It, it's as an actor, like was it? There's no small roles, you know. And like it could be a short, you could have tossed away. Like I don't want to do that again. But there must be something about either working with you and working with the character he really connected with. I mean, he came back. Yeah, and for the life of me, I have no idea what it could be because <laughs> it's definitely not my uh, good natured attitude. <laughs> How are you on set then? Let's get those rumors. No, there's no. I rumors. think I'm a peach. I. Th- I think I'm a good-natured peach. Well, I think you have to, honestly, I think you have to be because, A, we do research and no one's talking like, I was one on this one of his movies and I could never again. It's never, it's, you don't hear nothing like that about you whatsoever. And B, those people you name, they wouldn't stand for it. Oh, absolutely. Like They were just like, I'm out, by. It's like yeah. they, they were just like, gone. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I think that's... They've a, got all the power in the room. Don't get me wrong. I, 
I have no misunderstandings about who the power players are on that set. Now, when you are, you said you didn't have a script from, so, so 90 days from, yay, we're doing it to like, oh shit, I need to write this now. Yeah, rolled camera. How? We yeah. rolled camera 90 days from the day I decided to make the film. So I had that, the script uh, about 20 days later. Uh, not a good version, but enough. So with the script enough, right? process for production, a lot of the time you don't actually need the script to be good. You just need to know, all right, here are your locations so everybody else can start getting prepped on pre-production. So okay. I was still fine-tuning the script up to maybe a week before we rolled. Because I was, by the time we rolled camera, I was confident we had a good script. But I was, but that first draft was really more just for production department and pre-production, right. just so we could go, all right, we need X, Y, and Z. We can start encountering things. It's like, all right, we need a time machine. What's it going to look like? that okay let's no absolutely and this is okay that, that's still amazing though did you did you tell the actors that you didn't have a script yet no by the time they, like, by the time i offered them a role they had the okay they had scripts okay, yeah. them a role and we were casting really late in the game like keith david we cast all of maybe three days before he was on right. set we confirmed joel maybe two weeks oh wow day of filming uh felicia was all of maybe three or four days before we started and danny was around the same time like we were we had offers out to actors while we were already filming so by the time any of the actors were even getting offers the script was done and pretty actually pretty polished at that okay point. It's like, it, like my god because that time frame is tiny it's tiny yeah that, the, the only actor who was seeing the crummy version of the script was sam and so i was like oh we'll do it he trusted me we had a good relationship yeah. and he knew i was actively making improvements and i did reach out and solicit input from him so he had a fair amount of say on the development of his own character so i was going to ask about that next brilliant so when you are writing and you take the actor's uh input for their own characters do you also take it from like when danny's coming in and danny looks i don't think my character would say this i think it'll be more like absolutely. this absolutely there, there is an attitude a lot of writers have that I do, which I suppose for a lot of writers it's earned, but in my case, it's definitely not earned. They have this, I have written Shakespeare and my every word is gold. I mm -hmm. do not have that attitude towards my own writing. I am a, my philosophy on set is I always just want the best movie possible. And the yeah. best movie possible is the one where I accept that there are going to be good ideas that don't come from me. And sometimes it's just little things. Like, um, there was a joke actually in the film regarding uh, a character who's on the spectrum, which I was unaware of the fact that the terminology had changed in the last couple years. And the term I was using, I won't use it here, was now right. offensive. And that was something where we didn't even change the nature of the joke, but Felicia pointed it out to me. And it was like, oh, well, we can change the wording because the point of the joke was never to punch down. The point of the joke was to get this other idea across. So let's reward it to get this other idea. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. and, that was, and that wasn't any maliciousness on my part. I just straight up had no idea until Felicia pointed it out to me. And because you can take those notes that makes you a better writer the most. And that might be because of the director's hat saying, you need to make this work. Like, yeah, that's right. I get it. No, we have to do it this way. I, I, I dig that. I dig that. I, I think I, I think this goes into our next thing. If you have to pick one career, only one career, 
What are you going to do? Is it writing, directing? Or directing every time. Every time. Why? Oh, yeah. Love it. When you're on set, you the joy of being a director is you get to have your fingers in all the pies. You get to be affecting the performances. You get to be affecting the camera. You get to be affecting your shot composition, right. your writing. There isn't a part of it you don't get to put your finger on the scale. And if you're lucky enough to work with extremely talented people, a lot of the time you can have a very light touch. Like the ideal production is one where my job is actually the least important. Like that really? is one where that's, that is where everything has come together beautifully. There is a shared vision. Oftentimes the main job of the director is just keeping everybody focused on what that consistent vision is across the board. I can dig that. I can dig that and I can, I can see that. I can see that. I can see the lore from that. I can, but there's always a bite here. Yeah. But would that also mean that you would give up writing comics? Hmm? Ah, not really. Cause that's something I could do on the side. And for uh, the record, I've never made a cent at it. <laughs> okay. For bleeding ink. I I've been looking, I've been looking for the comics and there's some that hit a little too hard home, especially the, the M. Night Shyamalan doing the uh, Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, oh, they just piled yeah. on. You just piled on right there, man. But you know, Bleeding Ink is the is my little webcomic I do on occasion. I call it my periodic act of desperation because I will not work on it for a few years at a time. And then I'll work on it for about a year of just putting out new jokes. Uh, the last time, right now it's on a hiatus, but the last time I was pumping it out aggressively was during the first year of the pandemic where I had a lot of downtime and a lot of stuff I needed to vent. See, I was going to ask about that. So during the pandemic, I'm guessing you weren't shooting because eh, the no, world I wasn't. <laughs> shut down for a bit. Um, so you went into the more of the of the drawing, the more of the things you can do at home, the more you can kind of push out and still make your artistic voice heard a bit. Yes. Yeah. And also bleeding ink. It is one of those things I always just go back to periodically when my life is at a standstill. It's had three major times it's come out. It originally started as a college newspaper comic. Like it was actually a physical print comic way back in the day. There was print. Yeah, uh, it was a college. I mean, nothing brag worthy. It was a college newspaper, although I am proud of the fact that I apparently had some of their all time highest complaints, number of complaints nice. for the content, which I take a certain pride in to this day. Good for you. Well, that just means people read you. That's exactly it. Like no matter how many complaints you get, it's like being a wrestling heel. It means people are booing for you. Oh, absolutely. And you got to remember to a 21 year old college kid, uh, people complaining about you is a point of pride. You know, just yeah. little, just little edge Lord Stimson, just <laughs> wanting to offend everybody. I revisited it again in my late twenties when I was taking care of my mom for a bit, and I had a lot of it come out then. And then the most recent surge was during the pandemic. Yeah. So, so when you needed the most, it came out. I, I I dig. So it's like your connection to like channeling everything that's kind of like angst. And bleed, blah. Oh, sorry, I was like hit my own mic and try and get it out into ink. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing to do. And it's one of the reasons I like it is because it's so removed from anything I do for money, for profit, for career. Right. It is something that is a complete write off. It is a hobby, but one that I enjoy. The biggest shift with it is that eventually it moved to my Instagram. <laughs> so, oh, I was gonna say your Instagram is at Stimson's S-T-I-M-S-O-N-S-N-E-A-D. 
for Instagram. And we were on your Instagram. Like, I think that's, I think that's a great way of doing it. I'm like, just get it out, boom, snip it and go. And can always hit the movies as well. And so when the, once the pandemic started waning down, how quickly did you go back to movies? Uh, almost like, immediately. Okay. Uh, it, it was a shoot. It was in 2020 that we originally scheduled to shoot the Tim Travers short. But right. we were waiting for November. And if you remember November 2020, I think, oh, God, which variant was it? I want to say uh, Delta. We had so many variants. But it was the first big variant spike that hit. And so we pushed it to March of 2021 is when we filmed on it. And then we went to festival uh, in 2022. And near the end of 2022, that's when it was like, oh, shit. Well, I guess we're going to make a feature out of this thing. <laughs> okay. I am glad you brought the festivals. And that makes you really energized for the feature because i know a lot of movies just got killed during that time no oh absolutely like it, the it was festivals were yeah it was How the only you... reason i was ever able to get a studio like north by northwest to do a show so north by northwest uh z nation smoke signals they've done a lot of actual big movies through there right. i was the first short they had ever done they had never it. even done a short. They had only done TV shows and, fe and, and features. And I am convinced the only reason I was ever even able to do the short was mostly because they had nothing else to do with the pandemic at the time. But it, 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 it they could very well. Yes, I, I know. Maybe that's they were kind of like, oh, we need something. But I, I think. I think it's just the quality of your work. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the quality of work. They could have absolutely said, like, no, we're going to do our interview. Well, we had already signed to do Treat Street with them, the feature right. that fell through. So there was already a working relationship going on. But right. it was funny. When I, I sat down and talked with Rich Cowan, with, uh, the executive producer at North By, and if you check Rich Cowan's resume, it's longer than most people's. Uh, it, his resume is longer Socks. than most people's uh, dream lists. It is incredible the number of big things you've heard of this man's worked on over the years. And I remember he'd just be like, well, we've never done a short before. Sure, let's try it. <laughs> How many millions do you need for a short anyways? Like, wait, what? Yeah, thankfully, uh, thankfully, we were not in the millions for short. <laughs> Thank you. We, were, we were decidedly smaller budget than that. But oh. <laughs> See, I, I think that somehow you worked some kind of voodoo magic and made it really big in the... Uh, in the festival. So you have to walk me through that. So you get the short and then are you like, yeah, we got this out and all the festivals are closed, open, closed, open, closed. Uh, it did both. So what happened with uh, Tim Travers, the short. So I made the short originally, like I was saying, mostly because I just wanted to meet the North by North team. It was to me, it was an investment in prepping myself for treat. Right. That was really Tim Travers' only goal, and it was just a script that I really liked and I wanted to shoot. And I'd met Sam recently, and once I met him, it was like, oh, that's my guy. That, that's my that's Tim Travers when I met him. Uh, and I had met him at a festival right before the pandemic hit. So in uh, May of 2020, so in early May of 2020, <laughs> when everything was, was shutting down. Three years ago, and it seems so long. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time we finished the Tim Travers short, we were into the beginning of 2022, where the pandemic was mostly done at that point. So we actually were timed that we came out just as all the festivals were opening up again. And that's what gave me the concept, the uh, confidence to do it as a feature, which was when I put it out there, I kind of had no expectation for it at all. Because right. again, it was something I had done with this sort of ulterior business motive. And then it just started killing it. 
So it premiered at Boston Sci-Fi, which is was wonderful for me because Boston Sci-Fi was the festival I was at that gave me the idea to write the original script in the first place. That's awesome. So premiering there was fantastic. And we took Best of Fest in the short category. Then we went to Nevermore Film Festival in Raleigh and all these awards behind me are from Nevermore where we did kind of a clean sweep, best of fest, wow. best short, best actor, best director. And then we went to a film quest and we were at probably close to a dozen big festivals that year. Very cool. Just, a, yeah. So we were just killing it on the festival that, scene with Tim Travers. That's very cool. And do you think the reason, the reason why it hit so hard is because after those years of lockdown, people dying and everything, the uncertainty of it, just to see some little bit of relief. I don't think so. The, Be no. because I, I really don't, actually, because the short is as mean-spirited Rick and Morty-style humor as it gets. I think the reason it did well is just the Tim Travers character and the way Sam embodies him. He is an incredibly unique, interesting character. The way the guy was structured in the script, the entire premise behind him writing wise was what if you took a story where the character will always do the scientifically interesting thing, not the smartest thing, not the thing that's going to move the story along, <laughs> not the thing that's going to display emotional growth. But anytime he deals with a scientific question, his immediate go-to will always be what's the most interesting interpretation of that at the expense of good storytelling. In a lot of no. ways, short is very non-traditional in that regard. And that's what I think resonated with audiences because we don't see characters like Tim very often. Right. So you're saying because, well, we all know that Sam Dunning is a massively talented actor. Could you have seen that short with that success with a different actor? I don't think so. So when I originally wrote the short, uh, so I was at Boston Sci-Fi. And I watched right. a time travel film that was there that I won't name because uh, I don't wish to be mean. But I remember it. But it was a very classic science fiction time travel story in which they use time travel as a metaphor for the human condition and character right. growth. And I hated it because to me, the characters were idiots, just absolute idiots characters. I hated it. And I got really drunk after hanging out with a friend of mine from MIT uh, who was in town, who had come out to support my film that was there. And I basically outlined the entire script of what I would want a time travel film to be on a napkin while blackout drunk. And then the next morning, while still fighting a hangover, I wrote the first draft of the Tim Travers short. So in my mind, the person I would have cast was myself. And then I very quickly realized after uh, reading it that, oh, shit, I, this is way over my head, acting-wise. And so I shelved it. it. It sat in just a folder for probably six months. And then I was at uh, a festival in Washington, D.C., which I'm spacing on the name of. Uh, it was a, God, okay, I feel bad now. It was a, it was a very small festival. And they did a panel where the panel was basically half the people in the audience because it was right. all the makers were there. And on the panel was this guy who was, had done this vampire film called Rick and Ruby. And the actor's name was Samuel Dunning. And we just kind of hit it off. And as we're talking and chatting and I'm watching his performance in Rick and Rudy, I'm kind of thinking, oh, shit, that's Tim Travers. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I had already kind of a, it had been sitting in a drawer for six months when I met Sam. 
that that that's that's amazing and then from there it grows it gains momentum and it becomes a tim travers and a time travelers paradox the feature that's coming out next to 2024 I don't know I'm releasing this now or next year. Depending on how you define release, it's coming out in a month and a half. Month and a half. In about a month and a half when we lock down our first festival releases. But I can't name them at this time, but we've already got the first two lined up. And it's looking like it's going to be a very big year for Tim Travers. That's going to be amazing. Now, when you're doing Tim Travers in a time traveler's paradox, see, I can almost say it quicker, quicker, I can't say quicker. Well, it's all a play on word. Tim Travers, time traveler. Yeah, it's, time travelers. His name is meant to sound like the phrase "time traveler." I know. Oh, it's it's so amazing to do that. So when you're seeing this coming out in its in a circuit and and the for next year, do you have high expectations? Are you like I'm going to kill everyone there? It's going to be the, the most dominant. It's going to Godzilla is going to crush. I have very high expectations, but not like that. We are a very genre film. We are a very niche genre. I think our audience is going to love us. But our audience is probably not the sort of folks you're going to find at the big top tier film festivals that, you know, are Academy qualifying, stuff like that. Yes. Like, I, I, we aren't the next coda, shall we say. <laughs> but we have this thing. Okay. But that's not, that's, that's not me being modest. That's not a knock right. against the film. But we are a grindhousey sort of film. Uh, and so I think our audience is going to love us. So we're going to have a big year. The big question really is going to be when we line up our official distributor. And that's the thought that consumes my every waking moment. <laughs> Ooh, and we can... And now that all the strikes are kind of over, we can talk about these things. Yes, so, we can. That was... The DGA was never on strike. I could always talk about it. (laughs) So when you are lining up a distributor, are you talking for feature or talking about streaming? What are we doing? Uh, It's, I would love to do a theatrical release with it, even a small limited theatrical and people don't know this, but small limited theatrical does still happen. There are still small films like Tim Travers that go to 50, 60 screens but, you know, 50, 60 screens is a lot. And that can add up and on, a, on a budget as low as Tim Travers, which is only around a $2 million production. Right. It takes very little to put that into the black. I think what will probably happen with Tim Travers is we're going to find a really good streamer who we can build a relationship with and sell it to them. And if any of those streamers are listening, I'm taking calls right now. We're in. There you go, Arrow. Hey, mate. There you go. Actually, a few are. So when we are going out with this, I I love the idea of the movie. I love the idea how it came about. It's just an amazing thing. Like I'm thinking all the things that we used to like do as shorts. Like, yeah. <laughs> aren't most things. Aren't most things. Oh, yeah. And it's like you tap into the universal unconscious and just put it like blackout. Here he goes. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, look, the script's done. Usually I'm like, whose number is this? You're like, oh, I have a completed script. Nice. Uh, you know. We all have different levels. So when you are getting together and without spoilers for Tim Travers and a time traveler's paradox that are coming out next year, have you thought if this does really, really good part two, part three, I don't know, part franchise. I don't know. 
I would like to move on to a different script with a bigger budget. Now, to be clear, if I, if if it does well enough that people want a sequel, I have ideas. Right. I have ideas. So there's a lot I could do with the Tim Travers character, but it doesn't beg for a sequel. So I, I think if audiences want a sequel, that's something I'm definitely up for. That's cool. So I was, I was remembering David Schmoller with Puppet Master. We were talking about him or with him a long time ago. He's like, yeah, I thought Puppet Master would be like one and done. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't want no rights at all. And that's like I a franchise. Yeah, <laughs> I know if we did Tim Travers, I would want to go bigger. Because the ideas we had, the ideas Sam and I had when we talked about the character, there's just so much bigger places we want to go than the film does. And to be clear, the film goes to some really big places all on its own. But I'd like a bigger budget to work with. I uh, recently secured the movie rights to Jam, the novel by Yahtzee Croshaw. Really? And that's what I'm potentially looking at as a follow-up project to Tim Travers. That, that's very Okay, so you're going from, like, the pure imagination of Tim Travers and Time Travelers Paradox, which is coming out in 2024, early. Yeah. And then you're going to, you took some money and you optioned the rights to Jam. Is that something you had your eyes on before? Or is oh, this absolutely. Because I've, I've been a fan of Yahtzee's writing for years. And his writing and my writing are extremely similar. It's one of the reasons. So like with Jam in particular of his books, it's like, oh, I want to write the adaptation of this. Everything about his style. That's me. This this is just subject matter that I can have fun with. That's awesome. And that's not the first time you did adaptations because you also adapted your own screenplay into a graphic novel, right? Uh, yeah, the dogs. That was a, a screenplay. That was a screenplay that I did many years ago. Could not sell in spite of really popular positive feedback. Studios liked it. I got to take a lot of good pitches on it. The feedback was uniformly good, but it all came with the caveat that this is a hundred million dollar film. It needs to be a pre-existing thing. Right. So if it needs to be a pre-existing thing, I hired a phenomenal artist and we turned it into a graphic novel, which is basically a panel for panel adaptation of what a big budget movie version of it would be. And we are in talks right now with publishers. So hopefully we'll be seeing the graphic novel out, if not next year in 2025. So you have a busy couple of years coming up, man. One would hope. Yeah. Not going to work for that. So Don't is this where you like? Plenty of time in there to play video games and struggle with self-worth. You got, you got to put the time aside as an artist for the self-hatred. I was like, yeah, I'm an award-winning director and I've got like a bunch of projects, but I don't know if I'm worthy of <laughs> any of the ac- that's but that's the human condition right there. Like that is it. That is it. Like uh it, it was I'm not gonna say his name, but he's 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 a pretty well known actor. He's like, I've got the biggest and most fragile ego in the world. <laughs> you have to have the biggest one because you're doing some amazing things, but yet the most fragile one because you don't think you deserve any of the accolades that come I- with those amazing things. I did a wonderful shoot just this past weekend for a short called The Wax Girl, which was nothing but a love fest between myself and the crew from beginning to end. I received one note at one point, and I have obsessed over that one note ever since. It it was a love fest of a shoot, but I have thought day and night about that one comment of criticism. (laughs) We are hardwired that way. We are hardwired that way. We're like, oh, it can't be this good. And then you'll find something. Well, Mm. I hope you do enjoy. I hope you enjoy all all the success coming and all the things you have. Because Tim Travelers and a Time Travelers Paradox, 
I, I want the shirt. I want the lunchbox. I want the action figures. I want the video game. I, it'd be a you weird video to... game. I mean, there is a one-man gay orgy at one point in the film, so I'm not sure how you gamify that. That'd be a great cutscene. I would love it. <laughs> uh, so everybody listening, so Tim Travers is going to festivals starting in February, and we're going to be on the festival circuit all year long. So watch if you're into if you're into the indie scene, follow your local film festivals. There's a good chance it's going to be coming near you in the coming year. Absolutely. Also, you should and, just support film festivals in general. Just like regardless oh, of Tim Travers, you should all be going to support film festivals in general. That that's a thing you should all do. Yeah, I, indie indies are a thing. Indianapolis, are you coming to Gen Con? Because I think this will kill a Gen Con, by the way. If you can say or not, I can't say. We have not submitted yet at this time, uh, but it is on my radar. Cool. That'll no. see you next year in Indianapolis. Then. Well, we. the thing is, the film is not finished till the end of January because uh, we have still a couple, about 100 effect shots that are being finished up. So I don't want to submit to anybody that I don't absolutely have to submit until I have the complete finalized version of the film. <laughs> for, this, for the CGI, it, it, it's the orgy part, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 the, it's the it's, it's, that, I knew that'd be CGI. Why that's part of it. <laughs> See, it's so fun. Like, that was day one of filming. That was day <laughs> one. Did if the crew really? didn't know what they were in for before <laughs> they got to set that day, they knew what they were in for by the time they left. Oh God, that's brilliant! I love it. Uh, with that, I think that's the perfect topper. No pun. Uh, Tim Travelers in a Time Traveler's Paradox coming out to a bunch of places in 2024 i think that's next year yes it is i look at my own clock to make sure uh, that's next that's not even that's next week oh my god what is next week oh it's like we're on fast forward now i love it thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure it's been a gas and i cannot wait to see this you have no idea i i I look through like oh my god that's the interview i want right there this is this is brilliant thank you so much and if you want to check him out on his website, it's S-T-I-M-S-O-N-S-N-E-A-D.com and at Stimpsonseed at Instagram. And check out Bleeding Ink. It's funny. I like it. I dug it. It made it's, me cry. Oh, good. good. I, <laughs> in, in the, I, I, I bet I know which one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you very much. And... Until next time, I hope I do see you next year in Indy. It'll be cool. Bye, Absolutely. everyone.